1: football only. That's the nothing personal phrase of the day. Football only. Today is Friday, December 2nd, 2022. Happy birthday, Glenn. How's everyone doing today? Hopping into the weekend. Was up at 4 a.m. on the treadmill thinking about today's show, trying to get a quick run in, thinking about how to deal with the segment that's leading the show today about Deshaun Watson, when I didn't want to give him any more attention, any more oxygen, I wanted to be done. But I knew in the back of my mind that when his suspension was over, we were going to have to at least mention it. But I certainly didn't think it would be a lead of the show because I thought that with all of the time that he was suspended, which was 11 games or 12 weeks of the season because of the bye week for the Cleveland Browns, that with all of the time, that he would have been prepared by his agent, by his PR people, by the Haslam's, by his agent, by his family, maybe even by his current masseuse, that he would have been prepared for the onslaught of media that was going to be with him, given that A, he's coming back and playing football for the first time in what feels like two years, and B, his first game, is in Houston, the team where he demanded to be traded, got himself traded and then signed. On top of that, it's where all of this stuff happened or at least a majority of these massages happened. I mean, what kind of plan did Roger Goodell have during the suspension hearing and the arbitration to figure out Deshaun Watson and what his punishment would be? They knew the schedule. Why didn't they come up with 12 games. Why have his first game in Houston when you're the NFL and you're trying to quash this? The season's going. We're heading toward the playoffs, getting to the greatest part of the NFL schedule. We're flexing games. The Dolphins are on national TV now. Everyone's excited about the Super Bowl. And now we have to have an entire news cycle about Deshaun Watson. So they made that mistake and it was... Immovable. Once the agreement was for 11 games, you knew he was coming back this week against Houston. Next, everybody knows that when he's back, it doesn't mean when he's back in the complex. It doesn't mean when he's back to practice. It doesn't mean when he's getting on an airplane to fly to Houston. It doesn't mean anything other than right now, as they do the normal media, Deshaun Watson is going to have to talk. The first time the players were available this week to talk and Deshaun Watson was supposed to be available, guess what? Nada. Declined to talk. Not made available to the media. Why is that? He wasn't ready? He didn't have enough months? Enough days to prepare? Couldn't get his talking points in order? Didn't want to finish consulting with all the great media masterminds that he surrounds himself with? All right, let's wait another day. And another day we do. Deshaun Watson sits with the media yesterday. And he starts off by saying, I understand that you guys have a lot of questions. But with my legal team and my clinical team, there's only football questions I can really address at this time. OMG. He's hiding behind the clinical team of the therapists who he was supposed to see under the league-mandated suspension. He's hiding behind the legal team because of the pending civil suits against him to say, hey, I'm like teams when there's anything going on with our, with your players and you're asked a question and you hear the same quote every time. We will have no further comment during the pendency of the legal proceedings. Yeah, I've said that too. But that's a bunch of horse hockey. We could have had comments. We could say things like, hey, if this is true, then we do not tolerate it. We are disappointed that our player was even put in the position to be the subject of this investigation. We are hopeful that our player will represent the values and ideals that we hold dear to our hearts as an organization, and we will have zero tolerance for anybody on and off the field who violates those principles. There's a ton of things we could say, but we hide. No comment, there's a pending legal proceeding. Deshaun Watson, you don't have that right. You do not have the right, be better, and you can be better because there's a lot of people who could have helped you with what you could have said. Instead of saying, my legal team and my clinical team, I can only answer football questions, football only. Did he stop? no because someone asked him a follow-up question and said hey speaking of clinical and all the counseling you're getting just a quick question have you learned anything from your league mandated counseling do you know what this buffoon said that's more in that phase of clinical and legal stuff he said i've been advised to stay away from that and keep that personal i'm focusing on football that's my main focus is football Was that a surprise question? What have you learned? What is your view? Are you happy to be back? Do you have anything to say to the women? Let me give you some suggestions here, Deshaun, because it's gonna come up again and again and again until you answer. The media and the fans should not let you off the hook. So you're gonna play your game against Houston, the worst team in the league. God forbid you lose, but let's doesn't matter. You win, you lose, who cares? you the quarterback, you're gonna meet the media. How'd you feel out there? He's gonna say, it felt so good to be out there competing with my teammates, just helping my team get a victory. That's if they win. Just being there and getting my feet wet. Not the result we wanted, but the more time we're together, I am so confident about the talent on this team going forward. That's if they lose. All right, that's very nice, Deshaun. Follow-up question. How do you feel about your suspension? And when you agreed to counseling, what have you learned during counseling? Ready, set, speak. Well, thank you for asking. I appreciate the opportunity to tell you exactly what I've learned. I've learned that behavior matters, that actions have consequences and that when I think something is happening, it may not be true. So what I'm learning is to clarify my thoughts, to speak my hypotheses and then confirm them. I still know that I did not harm any woman or do anything that wasn't consensual. You gotta say that, the lawyers will make you. However, I know going forward that I'm not going to put myself in a position where anyone can even question the possibility of anything being not consensual. I know that what I need to do as a football player and a quarterback and as a man and as an uncle, as a person, I need to make it very clear that women are always in charge, period. No means no. And I've always known that because I've been with my aunt and my grandmother who raised me. So I always knew what no meant. And I promise you, that nothing that I did in any way violated the principles that I've always had. I can't talk about the legal case, but I can tell you that what I'm doing day in and day out with this counseling is about self-awareness. It's about understanding my situation, my circumstances, understanding the celebrity that I am and hoping that as I go forward down my path for the rest of my life, long after I can't throw a football, that I will show everyone around me and my family and all my fans that I am the man that I should be and that they want me to be and that I know I am. How's that for an answer? Football only. It's not acceptable. It's simply not acceptable. Come on, media. Come on, internet. Do not let him get away with that. Staying in football right now, we got a big game this weekend. I'm pretty excited about it. The Bengals are playing the Chiefs on Sunday. I may have a pick for that later in the show for pick of the day. Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback worth talking about. We talked about his contract a lot. We talked about how much money he could make, but he had to win MVP every year. He had to win Super Bowl MVP every year. It hasn't worked out that way. So that huge number where we all said, my God, he's making over $300 million. It's not going to really work out that way. We told you But yesterday, Patrick Mahomes came clean about a story that brought me right back into it of running a baseball team, right back in. Patrick Mahomes, during a podcast, was talking about the draft process. The draft process is a pretty complicated yet interesting, nefarious process. Activities that teams do, you'd be shocked The tampering that's done with players, the tampering that's done with agents, the deals that are done between agents and teams throughout the draft. The number of times that we had agents tell us, hey, you better not draft this kid because he's not going to sign with you. He'd rather go to college. Isn't that funny when that's a threat in baseball? He doesn't want to play for you so much that he'd rather go to college unless, unless. You give him $7 million. Then he doesn't care so much about biology or the fact that Miami's hot in the winter and the summer without fans because he'd love to be a Marlin. Oh, $5 million? No, no. He'll sit out the entire year. And we'd say to the agent, are you kidding me? This kid... This kid, all he can do and all he wants to do is be a professional baseball player. He's gonna be a top 10 draft pick and you're gonna have him sit out a year? What kind of irresponsible agent are you? We met with the family. We understand what five million is gonna to mean to this family versus the seven million you're asking. He's never gonna turn it down, ever. Not only are we drafting him, but just FYI, we're not budging above five million. These conversations happen every month in stick. every year with every player. You have a draft board and you're looking at your board and you've got different categories, signable, unsignable, position. Are they high school? Are they college? Are they two sport athletes? There's a totally different conversation like with Giancarlo Stanton who could play football. I think he was signed, what was it, Coca to be a football player at Notre Dame. It's funny, I can't remember where he was gonna be, but he was one hell of a football player. So there's always that threat, which is how he dropped to the second round but we knew we wanted to play baseball way safer and chance to make way more money, like 325 million over 13 years, right G? We never believed that you weren't gonna play baseball. But this sort of back and forth goes on and on and on. The other thing that you do when you're drafting players is you meet the coaches, you meet the family, you talk to the friends, you do as much homework as you can, but you also talk to the player. And when you're talking to the player, in baseball, you've known that player for years. Scouts have been following that player since he was a freshman in high school for the American players and since they were 12 years old for the international players. So you've watched them. You've seen how they are as teammates. You've seen where they are with their families, where they are with their work ethic. Because baseball is all about projecting. You are projecting what a kid is going to be as an adult in their late 20s when, in theory, most baseball players hit their prime. Like 27 to 29 is prime for baseball players. But you're drafting them when they're 18, sometimes 16. So projection is a huge thing. In football, it's not as big a deal because when you're drafting a player, they're going, in theory, unless you're Jordan Love, right into your lineup. They're expected your first round pick to suit up and be a starter. So those interviews are slightly different. What you're trying to establish with your player is whether or not that player has the intellectual capacity and the physical capacity to be and the emotional capacity to be a big league player at a young age, to understand the intricacies of a playbook and a game plan and have the leadership qualities needed to be the captain of your team. When you are a quarterback drafted at the top of the draft, like a Trevor Lawrence, like a Patrick Mahomes, like all those quarterbacks, the Josh Allens of the world, the Zach, what's his name, Zach Davis, the guy who's not the quarterback of the Jets anymore, Coca. Like you're trying to figure out whether or not these players are going to be successful. Patrick Mahomes came out yesterday, Zach Wilson, what did I call him? Zach Graf. that's funny. Patrick Mahomes came out yesterday and said, that Matt Nagy, who is an offensive coach with the Kansas City Chiefs, when the Chiefs were looking at drafting Patrick Mahomes, called up Patrick Mahomes the night before his interview and said, hey, they're going to ask you to examine our playbook and they're gonna ask you your thoughts on our playbook and they're gonna see how well you comprehend our playbook. So here's what I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna give you our playbook. You're gonna spend all night studying it. You're gonna walk into that interview and you're gonna knock their socks off with how easy it was for you to understand and then apply the playbook. So Mahomes gets it totally against all rules, not actual written rules of of tampering and how to deal with your draft, but all rules with the front office. Can you imagine if you had a rogue scout? If we were looking for a kid who had a certain command of a splitter and this kid did not have that command and a scout goes in and says, hey, we need a splitter, I'm gonna teach you a splitter. And then when you're spoken to by our scouting director, tell the scouting director that you've had that splitter forever, that you didn't just learn it yesterday, but you understand the grip, and you understand how to throw it, and you throw it effectively for strikes, and the reason you haven't used it in games is that you didn't want to give any opponents or any other teams a previous look of your pitch. You wanted to save it for the minor league, save it for when you're a professional or a baseball is told, hey, they're gonna interview your friends. Just talk to your friends. Tell them you don't sit around smoking dope all the time. Tell them that you don't miss classes. And by the way, we've spoken to your teachers and we've had your grades changed because we really don't want our scouting director to see that you're getting Cs. So we're taking care of all of that. Is that unethical? If I knew that my scouts were doing that to players, would I be upset? Hell no. I know they're doing that. I don't care. I didn't care. When you're running a team, you want the best players who have the best chance to play for you the fastest and to help you win as many games as possible. I don't care about grades. I don't care about graduating high school. I don't care about graduating college. I don't care about what happens when you're out of baseball. I didn't care about any of it. I want to make sure that you're not in violation, that you're not doing steroids, that you're not doing other drugs. Didn't get that right all the time and that you've got the maturity to play a full minor league season at a very young age and be on your own and not screw it up. In football, it's the same. You think Andy Reid was despondent that Matt Nagy went behind his back to give Patrick Mahomes the playbook? Better question, do you think that if Patrick Mahomes did not have such command of the playbook that the Chiefs wouldn't have drafted him? Of course they would have. When you have your eye on a player, You do any sort of confirmation bias that enables you to make the decision rationally that you know you want to make. Confirmation bias is when you do something, you say something that is totally meaningless, but it convinces your brain that your original hypothesis is correct. That's what confirmation bias is. So if you know you want Mahomes and Mahomes comes in and knows the playbook, you say, hell yeah, I told you he was our guy. We got him nailed, we're taking him. If Mahomes had come in and stumbled, not knowing what a post pattern was, not understanding what it is to go through the 2-4 hole, or whatever the case may be, you would then say, look at that pedigree. He's got a father who is a professional athlete. We love the way that he can both move in and out of the pocket and his ability to manufacture throws from different arm angles. We're going to teach him the playbook. We'll put an earpiece in his ear. We'll make it simple. We'll put it on his wrist. We'll have four plays total. We'll have an offensive lineman or an offensive captain who'll be whispering in his ear while the play's happening. We'll figure something out if the guy's dumb as nails. But we want Patrick Mahomes. And his interview, <laughs> nailed it. It's completely absurd if you think about it. But it, everyone thought like, wow, that's sort of a big deal that Mahomes admitted to that. Not a big deal. Andy Reid was aware what Matt Nagy was doing. The GM of the Chiefs was aware what Matt Nagy was doing. You think Matt Nagy was like this rogue coach? Oh, I'm going to do something totally against the rules. Forget my career. It doesn't matter. I don't care if I'm a head coach or not because I'm going to do something for this kid that no one knows about. Shh. It'll be our secret. There are no secrets in sports when it comes to the draft, when it comes to free agents, when it comes to your team and your players. When you are the GM or the president or the head coach or the manager, you have your hands on everything. You're aware of everything because when something doesn't seem right, it isn't right. You think Patrick Mahomes goes into a draft interview and has complete command of the Chiefs playbook that was just handed to him and Andy Reid doesn't say, holy crikies, I've never seen that before. This guy's a genius. Come on, give Andy Reid more credit than that. Okay. All right, we're going to go to break now. And when we come back, we are going to review a new movie with Anthony Hopkins. And then we're going to talk about LeBron James because this is a conversation that I started on the show, and we did not get to finish it, and it's very important to finish it. We'll be right
2: back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com easy. Ramp.com easy. R-A-M-P dot com easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. Welcome
1: back to nothing personal. It's David Sampson. How are you? Today is Friday, December 2nd. We are taking Thanksgiving on Monday, so there'll be no show Monday, but we will be back Tuesday. We worked all week of Thanksgiving, and now we're taking a long weekend. Plenty to discuss over the weekend. We'll get to it on Tuesday, I promise. So we're back Tuesday, December 6th. Don't worry, I've got picks for you all to get you through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I watched a movie yesterday that is an early access movie. Early access is when I go on Amazon and I give Bezos $19.99, or I go on Apple and I give Tim and Steve 20 bucks or something. This is a movie about a kid in a family where the father is played by Jeremy Strong from Succession. The mother is played by Anne Hathaway. The grandfather is played by Anthony Hopkins that's the strength of this cast but the movie is really about a white boy who is friends with a black boy and how that friendship is tested because the white boy is growing up and needs to change schools because his parents want him to do better and be better and he ends up at a school with a bunch of racist white boys so he has to deny that the fact that he has a black friend the black friend has you know like central casting ridiculous sort of trope but lives with his grandmother fought, being sought out by the state and possible foster care. And then Anthony Hopkins, as the Jewish grandfather, sits with this boy and the boy tells him that he didn't stick up for his friend when his schoolmates were using racial slurs. And Anthony Hopkins said, as the Jewish grandfather, Listen, that's not what we do as Jews. We understand what it means to be persecuted. We understand what it means to be discriminated against. And above all, we are mensches. A mensch is someone who does the right thing as often as possible. Because we all have a choice. How many times do you know what the right thing is and you don't do it? That doesn't mean you're not a mensch. It means you're not a perfect mensch. I've never met a perfect mensch. I'd like to think I'm a mensch, but I am sure as hell not perfect. Plenty of things I've done wrong in my life. But the lesson from the grandfather to the grandson about the relationship between black people and Jews, which I've spent hours talking about, both with Jews and black people, talking about shared experiences, talking about ways that we react to discrimination, ways that we react to feeling as though we are not a part of something. This movie, while it is a decent movie, the exchange between Anthony Hopkins and his grandson, played amazingly by a child actor whose name escapes me, is worth the price of admission. So important given what's going on in the world, which we talk about every year, for crying out loud, literally, we're still talking about it with just last night, Kanye West again being suspended by Elon Musk, which is amazing because Musk would never suspend anyone. Can you imagine what you have to do to be suspended by Musk now? But Kanye West went off the rails. Yeah, that ain't min- mental illness, folks. That is just straight anti-Semitism. That is straight racism. That is straight crazy, straight prejudice. I hope Kanye's done. How many of you are still willing to wear your Kanye sneakers? Anybody? If you're still willing to wear those after last night, I don't think you need to listen to the show anymore because that's absurd. Look down at your feet. You want him representing your toes? Armageddon time. Watch it. Listen to it. Learn from it. It's worth it, I promise. So this relationship that I was talking about between blacks and Jews is something that we talked about in my Hebrew school growing up. We talked about in my regular school, Horace Mann. It was something that has come up in my adult life. There was a situation that happened yesterday that I found interesting, and it was talked about a little bit on Levitard, and it was LeBron James, who likes to use his platform to try to effectuate change. He doesn't want to be Jordan and say nothing about anything, but he doesn't necessarily want to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and and in, in, in many cases, offend many people, even though Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is brilliant and shouldn't offend anyone. And he is incredibly thoughtful about the things he says. But LeBron has begun to talk more about different things. He's asked more about different things. He took the podium the other day and he said, by the way, how come you all ask me questions about Kyrie Irving, but none of you ask me questions about Jerry Jones? Why is that? Because he's white, listen to yesterday's show with our view of Jerry Jones, both on this show and on Lebetard. First of all, Coca, side note. How do people get so confused on Twitter? Is it that they're not paying attention? They're not reading? Is it a reading comprehension issue? Is it an Elon Musk issue? I don't know what it is. My point on Levitard in a clip that was put out in the airwaves is a clip that I stand by, which is I am not buying that Jerry Jones in 1957 was at that rally, pictured at that rally, because he was curious and didn't know what it was. I didn't say one thing about whether he should be punished today or not, although my answer is not. I didn't say one thing about whether or not he's racist today versus not. I didn't say one thing about people can't change from when they're 14 to when they're 70. I was talking about at that moment, he was not curious. He knew exactly what was going on. Argue with me on that point, but don't bring up, how could you not give a guy a break when he's 14? How do you not understand today why it's not a big deal? I wasn't saying any of that. LeBron James wants you to believe that it's a far bigger deal and that this rises to the level of making himself the team, rises to the level of him being racist now, or does it just rise to the level that it should be getting more attention? Well, are you kidding me? There were like five million articles about this and him blaming the media for not bringing enough attention to the Jerry Jones situation made me smile because it's the media who brought attention to the Jerry Jones situation in an article in the Washington Post. They're the media. Hello. And by the way, LeBron, have you ever seen Steve Kerr, the coach for the Warriors? Greg Popovich, the coach for the Spurs? When they've got something to say they don't wait for a question from the press they start talking about what they want to talk about if you have something to say about jerry jones say it don't wait for the media to ask you the question don't give the media that power they are there as a conduit to your audience you've got a platform on twitter on instagram use it when you've got a microphone in front of your face use it to talk about whatever you so choose but to Throw shade at the media because they're not asking you. Here's what we're going to do going forward, LeBron. Every single time you meet the media, there's going to be one media member who we're going to dedicate. I'm happy for it to be me if you'd like. And we're going to ask you your view on everything going on in world politics. I want to know about what's going on in Qatar. What's your view of FIFA? Just out of curiosity, how do you feel about Deshaun Watson coming back and playing against the Houston Texans this week? What do you think? Think Chris Paul had sex with Kim Kardashian? Just asking. The other thing I'm curious about is the whole price of oil and gas and peace in the Middle East. I know that Kushner may be asking you to assist him, but what's your view of that? He has a platform of 190 million people. You think that a press conference after a game is your best way to communicate to people and you're upset when you're not asked about something? Are you kidding me? All you got to do is get on Instagram, my friend, get on Twitter, and you're getting like half the country, although 190 million is part of the world, I'm sure, but you have a huge, huge following. Talk about whatever you want. Be my guest, but stop blaming the media for not giving enough attention to Jerry Jones or giving too much attention to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving did it to himself. You know that. You know what's crazy about the whole thing? LeBron James spent so much time putting his team together, getting his friends around him, playing with Carmelo Anthony last year, getting Westbrook traded to the Lakers, getting Anthony Davis traded to the Lakers and then signed, figuring out a way to change coaches and get rid of Vogel, bring in Ham, everything that he wanted. Plays GM. Team stinks. He's getting older. Doesn't change the fact that he's the second best player of all time. But past his prime, Lakers have a problem, no doubt. I wonder whether or not the owner of the Lakers would prefer LeBron to focus less on world politics and focus more on being a better GM. I wonder if that, I wonder if the bus is thinking that, maybe. All right, LeBron, I'm going to let you off the hook. I had a whole nother thing I wanted to talk about with you. I'm going to talk about it just for two minutes, Coca, two minutes, okay? LeBron, when you meet the media and you come off as looking spiteful and upset. Don't you think that we have the right then to ask you about positions regarding you and your money? Not positions where you have no skin in the game, right? Not talking about World Cup, not talking about things that are happening in the Middle East. But what about China? Do you remember what you did with your platform when Daryl Morey talked about Hong Kong? And remember when China was so upset? They cut the NBA off. What about the business that you do in China? Are you in or out? I'm good. It's business. Do what you want, but wear it. How are you on sweatshops? Good? Not good? Yeah, you're right. Nike doesn't use any of those. Don't you worry. Come on. Just be consistent. Don't, like, pick an issue. You're going to get caught that way. Nothing personal pick of the day. Oh, did we have that nailed? Nailed. We told you Bills minus four was a sucker bet. People were taking the Patriots. They were saying, hey, we can lose by a field goal and still win. I said, this is where you jump on the Bills. The Bills are a different type of team than the Patriots, and the Bills crushed them. Easy winner. We are 138 and 117. All right, no show Monday. Here come four picks, so pay attention. Number one, tonight, we've got John Morant over the 76ers. If you're watching the NBA this year, or you're waiting for the football season to end, but you should watch the NBA. There are some players who are simply magical. Williamson is playing great. Watch him play. Fun to watch him play. I still want John Morant of the Grizzlies over Zion Williamson of the Pelicans. Luka Doncic of the Mavericks is getting 40 point triple doubles like I get quarter pounders. It's just, it's like all the time. The Mavericks are still not winning because they have not figured out a way to surround him with who they need to. But boy, as an individual, is he good. Teams that weren't good for so many years, like the Pacers, like the Kings, like the Wizards, with Porzingis, by the way, the failed Nick and the failed Maverick, leading the Wizards to a good year where they could finally make the playoffs again, which is really good for the owner of the Wizards who's trying to buy the Nationals, by the way. But there's a lot of storylines in the NBA, but one of the top ones is John Morant. They are giving five and a half to the Sixers. The Sixers are not an elite team anymore. Take the Grizzlies, give the five and a half. All right, World Cup. World Cup update alert. I watched on TV and on my phone, all these games going on at once. Costa Rica trying to figure out, can they advance? Japan can either win their group or get eliminated altogether. Spain, in theory, tanking. Nobody's talking about this, Coca, unless not in my feed. If Spain beats. I'm totally blanking from yesterday. Help me out, Coca. Spain was in red and they were playing Japan. If Spain beats Japan, they would have to play Croatia in the round of 16. If Spain loses to Japan, they get to play Morocco in the round of 16. Who would you rather play, Croatia or Morocco? You think that the coach of Spain did not have that in mind? Somehow, miraculously, Japan, Japan won that game two to one? Does it matter who wins the group who comes in second? No, you're in the round of 16 and you look at your bracket through the quarterfinals to the semis to the finals and you figure out who do you wanna play? I'm not saying soccer's fixed like the UFC may be fixed, but what I am saying is that Spain is smart. All credit to Japan for making it through to the knockout stage. Love that they did. I'm rooting hard for them. But, man, I'd rather play Morocco than Croatia. But the focus on Saturday for me, Netherlands, U.S. I do not feel good. Pulisic said he's going to play. There's some question to get hit in the scrotum or did he get hit in the pelvis. He came out and said, I have a pelvic bone bruise. I still think he got hit in the Howard Stearns. But either way, if he can play, he's going to play. Is it going to be enough? The USA is the darling Cinderella of this World Cup, in my mind, because we're in the USA. People in Japan think they are. People in Senegal think they are. So many opportunities you know that since the World Cup started, I read this, and this is, by the way, we're live, and this is by memory. I think the World Cup started in 1930, and there've been a total of five countries to win the World Cup total, and there's eight countries who are left right now who have never won, who could have a chance to win. There's something, I'm gonna get corrected, but there's some, like if you're not France or Argentina or Germany, or Brazil, right? USA's never won one. Netherlands has never won one. Senegal's never won one. Croatia's never won one. France has. So there's a small number of teams and countries who have won. This World Cup is wide open. I think it's Argentina, Brazil, France, Germany. There's one more, I think, Coca. But it's damn exciting. Unfortunately, for picks of the day, there's money at stake. We have to take the Netherlands. I think the Cinderella story ends for the USA, sadly, on Saturday. I want them to advance because it's so much fun going out, watching the games, being a part of something really cool. And I've got this sort of patriotic spirit. Not that I have anything against the Netherlands, which I don't happen to love them. But it's eight countries have won. Okay. Thank you. Eight countries have won the World Cup. How close was I? Brazil, France, Germany, Argentina... There's four more. Okay, I'm moving on. Italy, of course. Uruguay, yes. England, how could I forget that one? Darn it. And of course, Spain. Italy didn't even make the World Cup this year, did they, Cook? I haven't seen them play once. All right, Netherlands over the USA. Sunday, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes and the Bengals and Joe Burrow and the Chiefs. The Bengals are getting two at home. Feels like another sucker bet, doesn't it? The Chiefs only giving two. This is a huge game for the Bengals, and they're damn good. Don't forget who the defending AFC champion is. I'm taking the points. Bengals plus two at home versus the Chiefs. Monday night's game. That's an early pick for Monday night, but get it in now. The Buccaneers are giving three and a half to the Saints. The reason I'm taking the Buccaneers is not because they're good, not because Tom Brady isn't finished, not because he's not a distraction. It's because the Saints are that bad. Bucks three and a half over the Saints. So we've got Grizzlies five and a half over the Sixers Friday, Netherlands over USA Saturday, Bengals plus two versus the Chiefs on Sunday, Bucks minus three and a half over the Saints on Monday. All right, Coca, you are not going to believe this story that came from a listener. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's from the movie Half Baked. Go watch it. You've got a whole weekend to do it. Right at, by the way, the game is at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Netherlands, USA. Wake up at 8 o'clock. Make yourself a little omelet. Get 32 69ths baked and watch the movie. You're going to be happy. There's a character named Samson. People want to talk to him. You want to talk to me? Get on Twitter at David P. Samson or Instagram and ask me a question. What is the significance in the U.S. or the UFC of Ontario taking UFC off the betting board? Thank you, David. Well, that is a timely great question. It's one way to get on the air is ask a question about a subject that we want to cover on Nothing Personal. Here's the background. UFC is that organization run by Dana White, the the guy who doesn't really pay a big percentage to his athletes. That's the one where they get inside a ring and a cage and beat the crap out of each other and we all cheer because it's like the gladiator times and if someone goes to the hospital even better, if they come close to dying, hell yeah, but if they die, no good. We go breaking news, it's pay-per-view, you're spending 60 bucks to watch these guys do it. Uh Uh-oh, what if it's fixed? There have been whispers for many, many years. There have been Athletes where Dana White has given them a clear path to a title, has given them easy, easy matches to get to championship matches. There have been talk that it could be just wrestling. But UFC has been clear from the beginning, that's not us. We are a real sport with real outcomes that are decided in the ring. We do not script outcomes. Why does he want you to believe that he doesn't script outcomes? because of gambling money do you think the ufc gets more money in pay-per-view because people get to gamble on the results of the match or because they just like the people fighting gambling is the driver for so much revenue that i think people do not understand ontario canada made a decision yesterday that they were taking UFC off the board for all of the Canadian sports books because, upon information and belief, there is a problem in the UFC with match fixing. And they believe that that will impact the credibility of UFC and will make it so it is unfair for Canadians who are gambling on UFC. Because the essence of gambling is fairness. It's chance. If the people who have inside information and there's match fixing, guess what? They're making the money, not you. And the money they're making is from you. You want your government to protect you. That's called consumer protection. That's what Ontario is doing. So the question is, what impact will that have in the United States? And the answer is a big one. Just last month in New Jersey, there was a letter sent to all of the sports books in Jersey that they are not allowed to put James Krause, who's a UFC fighter, a former UFC fighter, anything he's involved in, coaching, training, promoting, fighting, guess what? It's off the board. We do not believe that there is integrity when he's involved. Las Vegas is investigating another group of fighters in the UFC. They found suspicious wagering. Do you know that every wager that's placed is looked at? There are computers that are analyzing wagers, and when an amount of money is put one way or another, there is an inquiry. Why is that happening? Who knows something they shouldn't know? Who's acting on information? Does that remind you of anything? Do you know what the SEC does? Regulators? Stock market? Wouldn't it suck if you're trying to make money trading stocks, but other people have information about companies that you don't have, and they're trading stocks with that information, therefore they're making the money and you're not? hello that's a Tuesday that's why so many people are kicked off Wall Street and sent to prison because they are trading on inside information that you don't have that they do and they're taking advantage of it that is why leagues spend so much time and so much money on a concept called compliance that is why there's a clearing house in baseball to make sure lineups are sent to baseball before they're released For gambling purposes. That is why leagues have departments now to monitor the gambling that's done because they can't fight the gambling. They're embracing it. They're taking the money. But on-field integrity trumps all because the minute your fan base believes that they're going to a show and not a competitive match, your asset's worth less. Dana White is paying very careful attention to this because he's got a golden goose. And if you step on the golden goose and you turn it bronze, guess who's going to suffer the most? Dana White. Guess who doesn't want to suffer? Dana White. Any sort of match fixing that's going on, he was aware of, it's now gone too far. When you've got enough sports authorities in the US, in Canada, who are looking at what you are doing, who are coming to the conclusion that the product you are offering is without integrity, you better make a change or you better buy the WWE and just embrace the fact that you have shows at eight o'clock, ticket the shows, and it's all off the board. But why would you do that when you'd be giving up so much money in sponsorship dollars, in broadcast revenue? You simply wouldn't do it. So what happened in Ontario is very significant. Thank you for asking. The United States and the UFC are paying close attention, paying close attention, and changes will be made. Dana White does not want to be off the board anywhere in the world. He wants to be on the board. And to be on the board, you better be on board to get rid of all match fixing. All right, to end the week, I want to say a quick word about Gaylord Perry. Gaylord Perry passed away yesterday at 84. He is in the Hall of Fame. If you've never heard of him, he was the original spitballer. He was a pitcher who won games. What a spitball is, is when you get the ball wet. And when you get the ball wet, it makes the ball change planes. Normally, there's something called a rising fastball, but a spitball will fall Um, because it's wet, so it goes off the bottom finger instead of the top fingers. Doesn't matter, that's too technical. The bottom line is Gaylord Perry cheated and he helped every teammate cheat. And the reason he's in the Hall of Fame is that everybody was doing it. He didn't do steroids, God knows. He always looked like he was 70 years old. He was like the crazy pitcher in Major League, the guy who had Vaseline under uh, under his uniform. I'm giving you all I got. I'm throwing him all the junk I can, Skipper. Can you get me one more out? It's that guy. That was Gaylord Perry. He found a way to get hitters out in the 70s and 80s doing something called cheating. And I'm good, just like I'm good now with sticky stuff and all the things that pitchers use. I never had a problem with spider Tech that Garrett Cole was using. I never had a problem with stealing signs the way the Astros were because everyone's trying to do the same thing. Any sort of advantage you can have as a pitcher to make a ball do something differently than what a hitter thinks it's going to do gives you an advantage. And if you can find a way to have it do something different, do it. Gaylord Perry and yet another Hall of Famer passed away. May you rest in peace. And I do hope that you keep throwing spitballs while listening to Fleetwood Mac. All right. That's our show. Again, we'll be back Tuesday. We're taking Thanksgiving Monday. Have a safe, great weekend. Remember,